hi, I'm here with Britt Lindbergh. And she has accepted my invitation to, uh, to, to interview. Um, so Britt is a senior associate and project architect working on commercial, interior, and new construction projects at Gensler in their San Jose, California office. She always enjoys, she enjoys working with technology clients on innovative collaborative workspaces that inspire their success and is also a past president at AIA California and AIA Silicon Valley. She is running this year as an AIA national board at large director with a focus on promoting the value of design, empowering all AIA members and strengthening all architects influence in service to society. And I'm happy to report that she won that position. So, right. So you are the AIA national board at large member. Yes, it's certainly uh, yes. very honored and humbled by that opportunity. Um, very excited uh, to be able to serve the profession and the organization and all members in that way. <laughs> yes. yes, and um, and of course it goes without saying that I was endorsing her for the position. <laughs> <laughs> much appreciated and very much appreciate the opportunity to be here and speak with you today and be a part of your blog series, uh, which helps spread you know the word of what architecture and architects do in society um, and helps make the profession stronger so much appreciated <laughs> thank you so much Fred. okay so what are your first recollections of experiencing architecture it's funny i grew up in a very quiet small rural suburb uh, about half an hour south of boston uh, called sharon massachusetts and it was a wonderful place to grow up, very green, very quiet. Everyone knew everyone's neighbors um, and everyone knew each other. Uh, I did like playing with Legos and Lincoln Logs. You'll hear that a lot from uh, architects, I think. Um, but my first awareness for architecture um, as buildings that are part of places that help elevate the spirit, I feel like really, uh, began with a trip to New York City in eighth grade. Um, I went with a friend's church group and we stayed in sleeping bags in the cathedral, uh, uh -huh. which was grand, you know, gothic architecture space. In St. Patrick's Cathedral? Uh, wasn't St. Patrick's, um, St. John the Divine. Oh, okay. Cathedral. So okay. different um, part of town and it was just beautiful and inspiring. Um, so we got to a behind-the-scenes tour and we walked up inside the spiral staircases in the big columns and went out on the um, porch that was up high looking out over the city. Uh, mm -hmm. And then as part of that trip, we also visited the Twin Towers and were able to get up on the rooftop uh, and look wow. out over the vast city at night, uh, which was amazing and I'd never had that kind of an experience before. So yeah. I didn't quit then, um, but I was definitely hooked on um, the energy and scale and diversity uh, that was found in cities um, and all the different building shapes and styles and different qualities of light, um, mixes of nature and people and transit and urban spaces. Um, just the complexity of the community was so new <laughs> in my yeah. experience. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I uh, feel like at that time I didn't know it, but uh, it was just so inspiring to think about um, if, you know, becoming an architect, you become a part of creating those types of places for people. Um, yeah. And so I think yeah. it, it sort of put that idea in the back of my mind 
uh, and eventually I uh, came around to realizing that architecture was the right profession for me and I've mm -hmm. been happy, <laughs> happily uh, pursuing that path uh, ever since graduate school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I went to New York City in, in the eighth grade too. I was 14 and then I had not gone back until last year. Mm. So 40 years later, I went. <laughs> right. <laughs> A lot changed since then, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, but I, I grew up in Pittsburgh, so I was close. We were close there and we went with scouts. We went with Girl Scouts and we went and stayed overnight at uh, the Sheraton, the Sheraton in, in, um, in Manhattan. And then, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So I don't know. Gosh, I was really interested in art, but you know, because we were there with scouts, I didn't really, I didn't, you know, we didn't go to any museums. We did go to you know, our nation's building and we went up in the Statue of Liberty and we did a lot mm -hmm. of kind of the traditional, the traditional New York sightseeing and Coney Island. And, mm -hmm. Yes. So much, so much to see. It's always <laughs> inspiring and energizing. I feel like. <laughs> I know. And then I saw a little bit more like last year, but like, doesn't, you know, I would love to just go and live in New York city for like one year work to be working for somebody else. If anybody else would have me. Anyway. So what sure are, <laughs> <laughs> maybe, I don't know. I'm putting it out there. Anybody. Um, so what are three classic buildings that you like and why? Um, so this is an interesting question for me. I uh, tend to look more toward modern and contemporary architecture for my inspiration. Um, you some can still use them. You know. <laughs> I guess the word classic can be interpreted many ways. Um, but some of my favorite current architects, I would say, are Jean Gang, Raphael Vignoli, Renzo Piano, Anne Fougeron, uh, Bjarke Ingels, and then work we do at Gensler, of course. Um, but um, thinking more traditionally of classic buildings, uh -huh. uh, definitely sort of the grand cathedrals in Europe uh, are an inspiration um, triggered perhaps by that first visit to cathedral in New York City. Yeah. Um, just the grand scale of the spaces, the quietness, the quality of light, um, the inspiration is just something I carry with me all the time. So whenever I have a chance to see a grand cathedral in a city, uh, certainly always try to make a stop yeah um, yeah and then uh, a different scale uh, maybe more modern um, but still considered a classic I think would be Frank Lloyd Wright's Falling Water House mm -hmm. um, it's a beautiful contrast of modern materials and modern building forms that interact really well with the natural surroundings of the forest and the river um, and the mix the indoor space and the outdoor living areas uh, really well. Lots of terraces to enjoy the outdoors, but also lots of sort of low ceiling, cozy rooms to uh, just feel really comfortable and sit quietly inside. Um, yeah. yeah. You need to, you know, space to think or read or just relax. Um, so that's definitely another favorite space um, mm -hmm. that I did have the opportunity to visit a few years ago on a one day road trip um, when I had to be in DC. And I was so glad that I went there. Uh, I would love to have the chance to go back again. <laughs> um, and then for the third one, uh, living in California now, I'd actually, um, I would say the Salk Institute, actually, uh, I would add to this list uh, by Lou Khan uh, down in the La Jolla area. 
Mm-hmm. We're very close to where you're based, Michelle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's such a timeless piece of um, architecture, and it just organizes sort of the uh, scientific thinking uh, of the institute yeah. very well in relation to the oceanfront and um, water and landscape. Uh, just very inspiring. Mm-hmm. Um, so some favorites of mine um, and hope that people out there have a chance to visit all of those in person because certainly well worth the trip when you can. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which cathedral do you like the best in, um, oh. uh, sorry. That's, no worries. Um, it's hard. I think if I had to pick one, I would actually pick the Duomo in Florence. Uh, I had a chance to visit there, uh, with my mom several years ago and mm-hmm. the scale of that dome in relation to the church uh, just has a fascinating story behind it where wow. when they started building the church they didn't have the technology to know how they were going to construct the dome and then as the construction of the church proceeded the ar- architect and engineers figured out the double shell dome was um, the way to make it structurally sound enough to yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a fascinating story. Uh, and then when you visit, you're able to walk between the two, like the inner shell and the outer shell of the dome. And then you get out up on the top and get to see the whole city of Florence spread out before you. Uh, it's just a wonderful space, a wonderful experience. I think they were renovating it when we were there because I did not... But, you know, because I, I was in the Denmark program from 86 to 87, but then we would go and visit the Florence program because we had a little bit more, you know, we had some more time than they did. <laughs> so so we, would, we would go down to the sun, right? Because we were in Denmark. So we would go down to the sun, um, you know, take 24 hours on a train, just like stay up the whole, the whole night or just sleep on the, you know, just sleep on the bench seats in there and then um we'd go to you know we'd go to Florence and then we could just like walk around and just see you know see it all but I never got to the top so I'm thinking that it must have been I'm thinking that it must have been renovated yeah 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 but I mean that's I mean that's that's a great one yeah and then I actually have seen all three of these it's rare that I have seen all three of people I'm sorry I'm not adding to your list of places. No, no, because sometimes I just, I mean, I can't make a comment because I haven't been to that one or I'm not even familiar with that one at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, um, you know, it's funny. I mean, I, and I've mentioned this before about Falling Water, that I grew up in Pittsburgh and I never went to Falling mm. Water until, uh, until 1995. When my daughter was almost a year old, we went back for a wedding. And, um, you know, then I actually, you know, saw it for the first time. And then when I went back several years later for um, a high school reunion, we went to Kentuck Knob because they had opened up Kentuck Knob, you know, out there, which, you know, which is also good. And now they've opened up, I guess, a couple other houses. And I think you can stay in one of them. Oh, it's kind of like a bed and breakfast that's in that same area. So, yeah, I had such a short time frame, I wasn't able to see Talk Knob or any of the other places, unfortunately. But I'm hoping to have another chance to visit. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now it will director at large, right? You should be able to. Have another, yeah. Take a weekend. Some exploring. Get your architectural bucket list together first. <laughs> I should. Yes. <laughs> uh, it will be a long list, I'm sure. <laughs> so what do you like about being an architect? Um, I love that our profession makes real places for real people uh, that they use every day in their lives as part of their life in real towns and real cities. Yeah. Um, I love that we get to talk to different clients and help them discover uh, what they need in a project mm -hmm. uh, and maybe help them go beyond what they know that they need <laughs> um, in terms of how a place can help them uh, work better than they thought they could or live better than they thought they could um, and in addition to sort of helping clients improve their lives and, and all the things they do we as architects also consider the community's needs as well mm -hmm. uh, so sort of you know spaces for the public to gather um, the you know use of resources in smart ways that sort of uh, efficiently uh, preserve or uh, aim to uh, not have too much impact on the planet's reserves, uh, which yeah. we know are yeah. dwindling uh, every day. Yeah. So, uh, and then sort of connection to public street life, public transit, connection to the public realm uh, is something that we consider for every project as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, as an architect, it can be challenging uh, with very tight timelines often, uh, lengthy approval processes through city jurisdictions, uh, complex building systems that we get to incorporate to help make sure the buildings are uh, healthy and safe in terms of exiting um, in fire or disasters or, um, you know, and we bring in healthy air and have, you know, healthy electrical systems <laughs> and all yeah. these things. Yeah. I mean, architecture is yeah. very complex is really um, what I, uh, another aspect that I appreciate about it. Um, and uh, I actually, I started uh, my college life as a chemist. I actually have an undergraduate degree in chemistry, but uh, once I graduated and started working in chemistry labs, I just realized that I needed something uh, where I was more a part of the world every day and I uh -huh. wasn't sort of sequestered in the lab working on the same routine every day. I realized that wasn't going to be the life for me. Uh, and so I went uh, into my um, past and I remembered really loving an architectural history class that I had taken as an undergrad at Cornell. Mm -hmm. and I started oh, so you're under, yes, it was at Cornell. Okay. Yeah. Cornell. yeah. Um, and so I started thinking about how architecture is really a mixture of art and science. Mm -hmm. uh, with the, you know, the real world structural issues and system things that we need to make sure they work in a building uh, and the building codes that we need to comply with. But then there's the creativity and the problem solving on the design side. Uh -huh. um, Sort of bring those two sides of the brain together uh, into a real place for real people and so i just love that um, balance of creativity and science and talking to real people making a real difference in their lives um, and it's challenging uh, but it's also extremely rewarding so yes yeah. i love what we do um, and yeah. definitely yeah. inspire others to follow the same path if, if 
their heart uh, feels that that's the right path for them. Yeah. And I think that there's so much, I mean, it, it's interesting seeing it, you know, when people do have an undergraduate degree from in another discipline, you know, what was that undergraduate degree and what the transition was from that undergraduate degree to master's, like, you know, from, you know, but, you know, I mean, yours is like the sciences to, and I know some people it's like psychology to architecture and then bringing some of those same um, talents that they knew in, in that, you know, that previous degree into how they're negotiating architecture. Right. Or navigating. Yeah. Right. And that's another wonderful thing is the profession of architecture is very broad, very diverse. So uh, even different skill sets that people have, you can always find the right space <laughs> within the profession of architecture uh, that fits with your skill set and uh, be successful in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that that's, I think that people tend to think that you're going to be stuck in like one, uh, you know, one spot in architecture instead of seeing like the diversification in the field of that. There's so many that, you know, I mean, you can work for a large firm, small firm, you know, you can be in a large, in a large firm, but in a small office within that large firm can, you know, right. how, how many people are in the San Jose office? We have about 75 okay. now, um, and uh, it's great because everyone knows each other. It, uh, we have two studios mm -hmm. within that framework, so each studio has about 30, 35 or so people. Uh, so you yeah. definitely know them really well, like a family, uh, and yeah. then you know everyone yeah. in the office, um, so it does feel like a family in it. Um, is has a slightly different culture than the some of the bigger offices of Gensler mm -hmm. um, in San Francisco, where there's several hundred or you know, Los Angeles, New York. <laughs> do they have several hundred? Yeah, they do, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which is exciting. I mean, it's a lot of um, resources and people with so many different skill sets and sort of knowledge and experience that we all learn from each other. Uh huh. Um, yeah. Also, you know, maybe a little more intimidating as well. So. Uh, I uh, love that the San Jose office happens to um, feel kind of like a family and everyone knows yeah. each other and we have happy hours and, you know, things that we do together as a group that really help create that um, stronger bond within a firm, which yeah. is an important part yeah. of any firm culture, you know, big yeah. or small, any size. Yeah. <laughs> yes. are important. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Oh, good. <laughs> um, what would you like to say about the future of architecture? Well, there's definitely many opportunities for architects. I feel like it's uh, an exciting time. Our involvement uh, in civic issues uh, like housing policy, school security, disaster assistance, pre-disaster planning and resilience, yeah. um, all of these things are crucial. Uh, to helping make the world a better place now and in the long-term future. Um, yeah. And architects play a leading role in all of these solutions. So uh, it's a time where we are and will continue to have great impact uh, in all of these things and more in all of our projects and communities. Mm -hmm. um, additionally, there's new tools, new technologies that help us, um, you know, improve our design processes uh, so they're a little faster. Uh, they communicate to clients in different ways that help them visualize spaces uh, more easily than perhaps was possible in the past. 
Yeah. Uh, and then, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, we're also starting to see new technologies brought into the uh, material fabrication and construction processes as well, mm -hmm. uh, which offer a lot of opportunity for uh, generating less waste throughout the construction process and then yeah. reducing the yeah. time needed for construction. So um, there's a lot of exciting things happening in the profession, for sure. Um, certainly also a lot of challenges uh, that um, we face. Um, we definitely uh, are looking to uh, better educate future generations of, you know, what it is that architects do and why is it so important? Why does design matter in the real world? Uh, because I truly believe that it does and we yes. have, yeah. have the data um, yeah. that proves that it does, um, but we need the public to understand that and I think the best way to spread that message is to uh, have it become a part of school curriculums very early in everyone's um, education training. So yes. uh, that's yes. you know, one goal. I know with California, the um, arts education, they do have to know architects. And the architect that they do need to know is Julia Morgan. Uh, yes. that's the, that is the one, you know, so it's in right in the standards, right in the curriculum standards, they have to know about architecture and then the, and then the main architect that they're supposed to know is Julia Morgan. And then cool. um, a couple, a couple other people, but, but one is a playground designer who I've never heard of, but because um, I was helping a second grade teacher that I'm friends with as far as, um, as some curriculum and actually the Smithsonian has a good curriculum on uh, Julia Morgan and in architecture so that's available for people to use in their you know in the classroom right yeah it's so important <laughs> no it, it is it is it's it's funny because you know I'll meet some um I was a Girl Scout leader and uh for my daughter's class but then I also was the art docent for many years and and you know I'll see I'll see these kids you know somewhere else or whatever and they'll, they'll be able to bring up something that I brought up with them about art or architecture and um I mean, it's, it's kind of neat. We, we have them do these trash cities, which is like part of the city building program that they used to do at the Corinne Seeds School. It's, it's uh, Doreen Nelson, who is Frank Gehry's sister, actually. <laughs> it's, she, was, she, she, teaches, um, she used to teach elementary education, and she also is, uh, teaches uh, teachers right that are um you know she had a program at cal poly pomona so my husband and i took a class that she had through through the architecture department and was the designer as a teacher so kind of teaching um you know what do you how do you teach you know children how do you teach clients you know what are the tools and methodologies that architects use that that we can um that we can educate people about architecture and um you know, it's, it's kind of, so I kind of used those, you know, in the trash city, right? We do a, a big, I would draw a big map of, of like the area of La Mesa, and then they could use trash to construct whatever they wanted to on these certain blocks. And, and, you know, and then I did it for a couple health fairs that they had through the, through this arts alignment group that I'm with, but you know, my youngest was like, <laughs> 
when we had to roll it up and throw it away at the end, he was just devastated. But I just said, just take your building off of there. You can have your building in there. <laughs> Keep your part. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to have like all of this trash. In our <laughs> but it's good because it gets them thinking about design and problem solving and um, yeah. making, you know, helping make people more aware of the um, sort of back and forth process um, yeah. an iterative design process and how it can improve over time uh, and end up in a place where it's like it works for you it works for the client it works for the community um, and it, it brings um, better places for everyone all yeah. in the end yeah, and it, yeah. the process yeah. and it's you know uh, as much as the media may suggest that um, it's a lone architect working in isolation it's really not that way in the profession anymore uh, and so we really need to be better about talking about how it's a, a team-based effort uh, that is solving very complex problems uh, and bringing a lot of complex materials and systems together uh, in ways that help people live better. Um, yes. and so, yeah, yeah. And even being a sole proprietor, I mean, I'm a sole proprietor, but it's not like I'm only designing things for myself. You know, I have the client, we have the consultants, you know, so we're working with the structural engineer and, you know, the Title 24 person and, you know, the building department with their codes and any other, you know, any of the other consultants that people want to bring in or, you know. Right, right, right. So it's like even for a single family house or multifamily or any type of small commercial, you know, you're having all of these different fields and, and consultants and uh, different people that you have to involve in the process. So, yeah, yes. it's not a standalone process. Yeah, <laughs> it is not. <laughs> but it's that, you know, collaboration and partnership along the way that also helps make projects better because it brings in diverse viewpoints and we all know that diverse teams make places better as well so yes yes definitely yeah yeah equity by design <laughs> yeah. yes it's true yeah. not yeah. just within ourselves but also for no. the entire project team and community as a whole yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah well, thank you so much, Britt, for joining me. And um, I know we can just take that one piece that you said about uh, about architecture. We could put everything, you know, we, we'll just we'll just try to put all of that. And we can give it to everybody as far as like, what do architects do? Because you pretty much encapsulated like everything that we do. <laughs> in, that one, in that one paragraph, that was great. That was great. Happy to, happy to be a part of this conversation and um, definitely appreciate the opportunity to participate in the blog so okay and we look forward to um seeing you around right yes. somewhere yes. in your you get down to san diego i'm sure i will okay yes. we'll go to we'll go to the sulk i always go to the sulk i speak through the back way okay yes <laughs> i haven't been inside yet so i'd love to get the <laughs> the, the local tour uh it's i don't, I don't well, you, I don't, you can't go inside. Yeah, I mean, you can get in, yes, yes, get in that, yeah, yeah, they won't let you into any of the lab. I took the tour about a year and a half ago, and I thought that they were going to actually let it, but you can't peek in through the window <laughs> and see them working in there, but yeah, they don't let you in, yeah, they don't let you into the actual space because of all the top secret stuff and 
they don't want our germs in there either i'm sure I'm sure <laughs> that's to be a functional space yes. <laughs> <Take that. laughs> yeah. okay oh. well thank you very yeah. much yeah thank you michelle this was fun i appreciate it <laughs> thank you thanks